Hello, and welcome to Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio. I am the uh, founder and webmaster of the Chasing Amazing blog, which is one man's quest to collect every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone, for the first ever Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this monthly podcast and that it provides a somewhat intelligent conversation, maybe, between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. We'll begin by discussing recent, recently released Spider-Man comics. This month, we'll be discussing Superior Spider-Man 7 and 8 and our thoughts on, on where the series is headed after uh, these two issues. And then we'll also talk about some of the supporting Spider-Titles like Avenging, The Age of Ultron tie-ins. Uh, we'll hit on some Spider-Man news, the movie, things like that. And then uh, we'll wrap up the podcast each month by talking about a classic issue from our collection, since both Dan and I are pretty hardcore collectors who are working on finishing complete runs of Amazing Spider-Man. If you want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. If you're using an iPhone or an iPod um, or even an iPad, um, whenever you hear this sound, check your player again and you might see a new photo or a link to enhance your listening experience. And we suggest you check those out. You can email us any comments or questions you have regarding this podcast or anything at all to superiorspidertalk at gmail.com. So I want to start off, uh, Mark, by talking about, like, really who we are. We're starting this podcast off. So uh, let's talk about, like, who we are as collectors and, and Spider-Man fans. So how did you get started, and, uh, and what are you doing with your collection right now? Um, Dan, I purchased my first Amazing Spider-Man comic off the spinner rack when I was uh, seven years old. It was uh, 1988. It was a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 296 which was actually at the beginning of a two-part Doc Ock arc where Doc Ock, Doc Ock was uh, psychologically scarred by his bottle, battles with Spider-Man and was thus in a mental institute. It's, it's not a great arc, but regardless, it was um, really the comic that kind of hooked me into Spider-Man. And I started buying the issues very, fairly regularly after that. Um, ASM 300 came out. Uh, a couple of months later, and that was a really huge issue for me growing up. And sometime around maybe when I was 14 or 15 years old, I, I made kind of a promise to myself that if I ever came across the means and I guess the issues themselves, I would try and get every single issue of Amazing Spider-Man. And when I blog about my collection on Chasing Amazing... A lot of times, I mean, I talk about the new issues, but I also like to talk about the issues from my past and how I acquired them and, and what these comics mean to me, just because this has been such a long-term arc. I'm, I'm 31 years old now, so I've been doing this, oh, 25 years now. So there's a lot of memories and a lot of weird connections. Not everything is always um, how you would maybe connect things together, but I, I kind of like exploring that when I talk about comics. Uh, I'm currently five issues away from having the whole run which is pretty cool. Um, and I, I'm savoring the, 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 the next few months or years or however long it's going to take. I mean, it's taken me 25 years. What's a few more months, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I look at it too. Um, like you, I've been collecting Spider-Man for a long time. I'm 11 issues away. So you got me beat there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I'm not too far behind. Um, but again, no rush. Uh, those 11 issues will be fun to collect. I did run into an amazing Spider-Man number one yesterday, and I was so tempted. Uh, but I'm kind of holding back a little bit because it was too expensive. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been reading since I was five. I, I don't really 
I can't really pinpoint exactly when I got into um, uh, you know Spider Man per se, but I do know my first issue was uh, three seventy five, the gold cover with Spider Man vs Venom, yeah. um, and like you, you know, there's I have kind of a soft spot for for that those kind of things, and I, I always loved like looking over how Venom's like tendrils just wrapped around Spider Man's head, or the kind of machinations of that character and um i i poured over this book forever and i, I learned to read really from spider-man comics um and, and that was like the real thing and I, I really connected with the character being kind of a bit of a um scrawny dude myself you know i was like yeah i get this guy he's kind of you know a social outcast and stuff even though that's not really in 375 <laughs> at all you know, I've joked about the same thing. I, you know, I always talk about the relatability of the character, and you know, two ninety six. I mean, the joke of the issue was that Doc Ock was afraid of Spider Man that he, you know, had beat him to a pulp enough times. But it's still, I, it, I guess that just con- it, it conveyed no matter what. Even in those those newer issues, I kind of moved away from that. Yeah, I don't know if it was like really the character of Peter Parker that drew me in at first, more than just like kind of Bagley's art. Um, and as as a child and. It's kind of a violent issue to start with, but uh, um, I think it's one of those things like as I looked into it more, I grew to really like appreciate who this character was. And um, I'm sure the reason that we both collected is really for Peter Parker as a person, uh, correct? Yeah, although now we're reading about Otto Octavius, so this is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> now we start talking about it on, on internet uh, just to, you know. But we love Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, of course. How could you not? <laughs> Although there's some people, I'm sure, who find him a bit annoying. <laughs> they work for Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, don't go there. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, right. No, they they love the character too. I, at least I like to think. Um, I, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about who we are. And uh, we'll kind of update you guys on our quest to collect and, and things like that as we move forward. But we thought it was important to kind of talk about who what the what the series means to us Let's get into some of the reviews of the books that we've been reading recently, seven and eight. So let's start off with seven, the issue where the long anticipated return, maybe maybe anticipated return of Cardiac. Oh, man. I, yeah, you know, I saw Cardiac was going to be in this arc, and I, I immediately started having 90s flashbacks. Uh, it, it, it was it was kind of it was, seemed like an odd choice initially. Um and I think I had moved away from the character for so long. I really had forgotten the backstory and the fact that he was this doctor that, you know, did good, but through underhanded means. And, and once uh, Dan Slott got going with with um, issue seven, it, it actually made sense to me why they would decide to bring Cardiac back for this arc. I, th- I think I think Otto needed to be exposed to a villain quote unquote like this, that that was more shades of gray than some of his earlier battles with massacre and vulture. I mean, the fact that Otto seemed to be going in his own direction with um, Peter's power and responsibility code, um, having somebody who was, you know, a little murkier ground to combat with probably was a good way to 
eventually give the payoff in issue eight, which I, I don't want to jump to just yet, but I felt it was a satisfying payoff. And that stemmed from the fact of with that cardiac had a more complex backstory than some of these other characters. what do you think, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you completely. And um, I always like, uh, you know, I think the choosing of a, like a villain or, or, or the, the kind of like op, the antagonist in the story is really important. And we all – everybody always says like Batman or Spider-Man have the best villains. And I think it's true because they always reflect something back onto the hero. And it's one thing I think that Dan Slott has been particularly good about in his um, uh, writing of Spider-Man is uh, finding a combatant that does say something about our main character. And, and by choosing Cardiac, I think – uh, he, he he chose a really good one, for, particularly for this issue. Um, so yeah, I, I was excited to see Cardiac back. Um, so very early on, I was aware of Cardiac as one of the first characters I was introduced to in the Marvel universe, and uh, so it's kind of nice to see him. I love the design of the character, and I it got a little bit of a changeover here um, that I thought was really nice, particularly from Roberto Ramos's rendition of him. Um, do you like Ramos's art and the changes, the shoulder pads that were added to Cardiac? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I always go back and forth on, on Ramos because, I mean, like his his art can be so frenetic sometimes and, and almost too sketchy for me. But but I really enjoyed his version of Cardiac here. And, and, and so far, I think because the superior title is a little little different in terms of tone that that the, the kind of sketchiness that that he does and stegman does it too um it, it works for the title but it's just funny that you mentioned the, the the whole cardiac thing with with your first issue because you know again not not to go into flashbacks but because a lot of my my early buying was of, of comics was in the uh, heyday of the comic book boom and then bust of the 90s i always i always think of cardiac because i just remember when he debuted in like 340 whatever it was um Marvel was just pimping this character so hard. I mean, the fact that they got, he had a B story and an ASM title, I mean, it's, I think speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were really trying to make him out to be the next big thing. And what ended up making the the early cardiac appearances actually worth some semblance of an investment was, I, I think, either a second or third appearance was the first uh, Cletus Cassidy, who would go on to become Carnage. Um, so that would end up being, but, but cardiac himself, his, his, his actual first appearance ended up being, you know, pennies but i just remember going to like you know comic book shows at the local hotel uh near my parents house growing up and like you know just watching these dealers trying to sell the first cardiac for like 20 bucks when you know <laughs> you could buy it for 50 cents now <laughs> yeah right it's funny how things last and don't last yeah um and yet carnage would go on to become the really important character uh Sort of. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, to some people, I guess. I would say, there's, there's a cult for Carnage. I don't think there's a cult for Cardiac. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think after these issues, like, I, I would be curious to see more of Cardiac and, and what's going on with him. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think Slot, Slot, Slot made me interested in Cardiac again. I, 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 I've kind of forgiven him on that. I mean, like you said, Slot, Slot does have a good way of juxtaposing heroes and villains. Uh, I mean, even some of the villains that I think otherwise are kind of, I don't want to say unoriginal, but like a guy like Massacre, who I think under any other title is completely uninteresting, but I think how Massacre was was brought into, um, well, first when he was brought into Amazing a couple years ago, but when he was brought into Superior, it, it... 
you know, it made sense. There, there was, it was, there was intent to, with him and telling a story, bringing in these characters, and, and Cardiac certainly was um, intentional in this, you know, for this stage of the story. Yeah, and like getting into the actual like plot of the story and, and, and of Superior itself, like I've really enjoyed how it's almost been like a mirror of the big time era, um, as you know, we saw a massacre, bef- you know, before the switchover, and now we're getting to see all these stories almost flipped on their head. Um, to see how someone else would react, and it's like, like progress was made, and now progress is kind of being flipped and unmade, um, or you know, or not. You know, um, this these two issues kind of show that maybe Doc Ock is making progress, but um, I've liked to see the kind of like two sides of the coin here, and um, I think Cardiac's a great way to kind of start um, peeling that back. Um, so, what did you think about uh, this issue seven overall? Um, you know. Forgetting like about how it played out in eight, you know, did you enjoy seven? I did, and and there were some other things that got brought up in this issue that I I really keyed in on. Like I really enjoyed um, some of the neuroscience or neurological things that that slot was bringing up with the whole um, you know moving his hand but not having the the verbal side of his brain yet with, with the whole, I I call him astral Peter. That's, that's been become my, my de facto nickname for the, the, the the essence of Peter that's been hanging out with um, spider rock for a while now. But um, that to me, that's daring stuff to have in a superhero comic. And I, and I really, I I mean, I, I guess it's still my, my my academic side that comes that, comes out from time to time. I, I, I read a lot of, um, like Oliver Sacks, who's this, you know, very renowned neuroscience, uh, in college. And so seeing this kind of, um, these themes and these ideas being explored in, in a Spider-Man comic is really, really unique to me. And, and, you know, I, I'm sure you, you know, a, a true scientist will poke all these holes in what slots trying to put across here. But, but from, from my standpoint, it's fun. It, it's a different spin and you're not, you know, the fact that, we've never really had a, a plot line like this before, you know, it makes it interesting. makes me want to keep reading. You mean science isn't followed to a T in superhero comics? I know, right? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe Reed Richards and all of his stuff is probably to the T. I, I, I can't imagine Stan Lee and Jack Kirby got any of that wrong in the sixties. <laughs> You're shocking me here, Mark. Don't, <laughs> don't give me a heart attack. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really fun to see this. And I, I'm curious, you know, as they're slowly starting to peel back, like who and what Astral Peter, quote unquote Astral Peter, is, uh, I'm I'm in, I'm really interested to see how that plays out, and I have my my theories about exactly what he is, but I'm enjoying seeing that kind of like play back and forth as we discover more about it. And Peter has been off and on annoying to me in Superior Spider-Man, but I think in Seven, uh, he's used very well to kind of counter what Doc Ock is doing and and see. It's been a great way to see how Peter would do things and how Ock would do things and having Peter kind of shouting about, no, don't do it this way. And then possibly seeing Ock be successful. It's interesting to see the play between the two. And I, oh, I, Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just, just going to agree with you. And, 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 you know, in terms of this whole idea of what what really is Astral Peter, you know, it, it when Amazing Spider-Man 700 came out, even before Superior 1, not that I – predicted what what the ending of superior one which was going to be the appearance of this you know spectral peter here but you know when everyone was going peter parker's dead peter parker's dead and i was like yeah but 
the body's still there. The 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 moral values are still, you know, the the power and responsibility. He has all his memories. I'm like, you know, if 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 Slot goes in a different direction here and and doesn't explore just you know physical, but actually more you know neurological, we'll we'll quickly discover that this character is still exists in some fashion. So and so. Just seeing him go in this direction, I mean, in addition to interesting me, kind of validates, I think, my original thoughts and why I didn't get hysterical like some other people did when 700 came out because, you know, the, this character's dead and he didn't even get a proper goodbye and blah, 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 blah. blah. But it's like – but he's not. It's, it's, it's clear that <laughs> this is all being set up for him to still be present in some fashion. My favorite Spider-Man comics are the ones that really explore the character and, uh, you know, his moral stance – and what it means to be Spider-Man, the power and the responsibility. And, you know, I never got upset after 700 because it's, you know, it's fun to read a different story. You know, we've all written reading Spider-Man for however long you've been reading it. It kind of remains the same book most of the time. And, you know, the stuff that we talk about and things that are remembered are when it's not like the normal Spider-Man book. And... And I was excited to see something different happen. And I think overall, Slot's been pulling it off in a way that I think is really interesting to explore the character this way. It's always bugged me, uh, particularly like during um, American Sun and stuff, where Spider-Man's had the opportunity to kill the Goblin and end all of his problems. And I'm sure we've all felt that frustration um, and and wanted to see, well, what if? And and this is the other end of that. Like, And I'm excited to see that play out. And I think Slot's been pulling it off really well. Um, so far. Absolutely. Um, any, any issues you had with Superior 7? Yeah, well, my main complaint with this series so far is that the stories have kind of operated in the same manner throughout all of them. And this one uh, it goes a little bit different, but it, it, these are like the big plot points. Spider-Ock misjudges a situation involving one of his foes. So we have like the vulture. He tries to pay him off, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, and and then... He has a memory from his childhood that alters how he handles the situation, and then he acts in a completely inappropriate way. Um, and then he'll, like, take out all of his aggression on the criminals in a varying degree of evilness, you know, like Jester and Screwball. Um, and I think this is a good way to, to, uh, to, you know, to show another aspect of that, but it's starting to feel a little uh, similar, a little familiar uh, you know, to, to see Doc Ock lash out in this way and almost punch someone and then stop. Like, I, I feel like the beats are getting a little repetitive. Do you, do you feel that way at all? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a template for how every issue has gone so far, even even the two the two parters. Um, but it, again, because the series is still getting its footing and, you know, even though they're talking about Big, huge status quo change is coming up very soon. I, I, I kind of forgive some of the uh, repetitiveness of the form here because they're still trying to establish that this is new, this is different, this is this is this is a um, a new kind of comic, a new kind of Spider-Man comic. Um, if they're still doing this ten issues from now, I think you know it's time to give it up. But you know, I, I, through, through so far it hasn't, and, and I think you could already start to see the format change by issue eight, um, which is, you know, another reason why I can kind of forgive it because I, I think you're starting, to, we're starting to move away from it a little bit. Um, my biggest issue um, with seven so far, seven is, um, 
and and again, this gets paid off. I think even worse in eight is it's just I I am not a fan of how Slot writes Spidey vis a vis the Avengers. I I you know I I mean I I have kind of issues with Spidey being Avenger in the first place, and this goes way back. Obviously, I mean I yeah. I, I, I just it's just never sat right with me. Um, but you know I I, I just. I don't feel that slot does it does the Avengers comfortably. It just feels out of his comfort zone. And every time he's kind of brought them in, first of all, I think he does it at the expense of, of Spidey supporting cast. So, you know, we get less, less Aunt May, less Mary Jane, less Carly Cooper, less whoever, you know, whoever is he's dealing with in that, in that point in time. Um, you know, it, it kind of feels like in Superior 7 that the ending is kind of attached with a rivet gun because, you know, we're dealing with cardiac and then all of a sudden it's like, well, the Avengers are here and we're going to we're about to take you. And this is this is not a this is not a, a choice. You know, this is you're coming with us. And it just feels really rigid and forced. And, you know, we, we, we have to get our obligatory Captain America appearance in Superior Spider-Man. And I, I just I, it just didn't sit right with me. Yeah, I agree, and and also like uh, the Avengers aren't really the people that I want to see confronting Spider. I mean, I want to see them eventually. They're like second on my list, but primary on my list are like his direct, um, you know, cast members like Mary Jane and Aunt May and Jameson and stuff. And I feel like they've been kind of on the fringe here. Especially, I've been disappointed in the fallout over Spider-Man's murder of Massacre. Um, mm. Like it feels, it's to me, it still feels like misdirection um, that he's dead. Except that everyone says he's dead, and so has Slot in interviews. Um, but like, I mean, not that I wanted to see his brains blown out. And we've certainly seen far worse in Spider-Man comics. I like, I think back to the first issue of, you know, uh, Big Time with the beheading of, or the second issue of Big Time with the beheading of the Hobgoblin. You know. Right, um, not uh, the beheading of not Roderick. <laughs> yeah, and um, I feel like no one is acting like Spider-Man just killed a guy. Like I get it, Spider-Man's done crazy things in his past that, like you know, string credulity. Like he beat up Fire Lord and almost killed him, and and all this stuff. But like Mary Jane not reacting to that, and like Carly Cooper still kind of remaining in the shadows about her theory. Like that should be the A story to me instead of like. Um, the Avengers and Cardiac, like that stuff. Like I love that story. Cardiac story is great. Don't get me wrong, but like I just want to see people being like, "Wait a minute, this is definitely not Peter." Um, and that just kind of sticks in the back of my mind. I'm willing to give it more time, but if it isn't addressed soon, I'm going to start having real problems with the story because these it makes the characters seem really dumb. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, you bring the Avengers in at the climax, which we're clearly not at, and and and, and that's where it's that's where the misdirection is. And and you know, can we maybe segue to eight here? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think uh, so. I mean, at the end of seven, I I just wanted to say like I really was looking forward to eight and seeing that fight go down. Yeah, and then the payoff in eight was just, you know, you're not a scroll, and your body hasn't been snatched, and 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 it's just it's it's a total groaner from slot. It's 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 it it almost feels kind of trollish because you, when when you when you look at this from from a logistical standpoint on how how an arc 
should be building up here. It's, you know, like I said, you, you would think you bring the Avengers in at the climax. It's like, okay, it, we, we, we know that Spider-Man is not Spider-Man. So here are earth's mightiest heroes assembling to, to save the day. And, and, you know, because this threat is so unique and different, we, we need the Avengers here to figure it out. And instead it's, it, it's just a bump in the road. Um, you know, the, the, the status quo is maintained and I'm not saying they should change the status quo. It's just, if you're going to build to that, then you need to pay it off in an appropriate way. And, and it's, you know, I, I just feel it was unnecessary misdirection, um, by slot because, you know, the, the, the solicitations for issue nine have been floating around for months now where, where they're, you know, Marvel's basically saying you're going to be angry when you're 700. And I just feel like it's baiting a certain segment of the fan base, um, into getting reactionary about it when people who are trying to be a little more rational about it and, and really want to give the storyline a chance, it, it, it's just, you know, it, you know, empty calories in terms of, of comic book reading here. I mean, th- let's, let's just take those Avenger pages out of both seven and eight, if you're going to pay it off like that. And like you said, focus on the supporting cast, do, do more Spidey, uh, you know, Peter and Ock interacting via, you know, brain patterns or whatever but but just something different than that because it was just it the the payoff was really weak it's funny i you know as much as i enjoyed the avengers movie i think the ripple effect in comics has been like really negative it feels like they're shoehorned into every situation now to sell a comic book and i imagine that's what it is it's if you can mention the avengers in a solicitation like i'm sure there's some pattern of people going oh i want to see the avengers you know um, and they'll pick the book up, but you know, it feels, yeah, it does feel kind of shoehorned here. And, and you can really see it in one of the scenes in this book in eight, um, where we have a direct quote from the Avengers, the red in your ledger, uh, being used by, um, you know, black widow, um, when talking to Peter, but, um, yeah, I don't know this, this twist thing, like slot does this a lot where he'll end on a big twist and then the next issue, like directly contradict it. Um, and I'm okay with that kind of so long as it like moves it forward. It, it does feel like a letdown half the time because everybody finishing seven was like, yes, I want to see Avengers. And when they don't get it, like expect them to be disappointed. Well, that's it. I mean, I mean, for me, like I said, it, it's I'm not necessarily looking for the whole auto situation to be resolved by the ninth issue of this new series, which yeah, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I, I, I'm fully expecting that this this story is going to last a considerable amount of time. So, uh, you know, what is that? Is that twenty issues, thirty issues? I, it's it's going to go. It's not. This is not going to wrap up in ten issues. This, it's just not. I, I just don't see how that's possible. Yeah, and Captain uh, Captain America was gone for over two years. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Captain America was two years. Human Torch was a year. I, I mean, you know, the, these things. It's it's going to take time. So um, to to build as if, you know, they're about to pull the plug on this only to not again, like it, it, I don't know what purpose that serves except to rile people up, um, rile people up who, you know, bought the comic because I'm getting my Peter Parker back. Yeah. And, you know, disappointed. And, and, and you know, that's just kind of like the 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 unspoken thing about slot and like Stephen Wacker and stuff that just kind of like disappoints me sometimes, you know, you just like, I, I wish they didn't buy into the crazies that, that sometimes get up in arms about Spider-Man stuff, you know, but, but I, I think they, 
not that they embrace it, but but you know when when you when you write a title and you and you do a plot twist like that, you're you're it's a nod to the crazies, in my opinion. That's just that's just where where my where I go, and maybe maybe because I'm partially crazy, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, but I mean, it does add a little bit of kindling to the fire, you know? Like it it lets it gives them something to react to, and don't forget the solicits for these issues said fired on all of them, um, like big news headlines, like Spider Man is fired, and you know he gets fired in neither of these issues. Um, yeah, that, that was the other thing. I mean, the, the the resolutions he's on probation, right? Is that basically what where we're at? Yeah, but we're not told like what that means, or yeah. <laughs> you know, probation from what? Like helping out? Like they're going to go into a battle and like need help, and they're like, well, Spider Man, you know, he's sitting this one out because we're not so com-. like. No, they're going to be like, get in here, Spider Man. Yeah, you're you're on probation until Jonathan Hickman can think of something good to use you in, in the Avengers titles. That's <laughs> that's 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 what it boils down to. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so that was disappointing. But I, I you know, how'd you feel with the rest of the issue? Well, that's the thing. I, beyond that, and, and and that's why I just wish those pages didn't exist. I I really this was probably my favorite issue so far um, because. Um, Something that I feel like Slot finally paid off for me was was that true redemptive moment for for Otto as Spider Man. I, I mean, that was kind of to me what the promise of Superior Spider Man was going to be when with the ending of Amazing Spider Man seven hundred. This idea of not the, not that the villain was going to become a choir boy, but that the villain was going to have to start taking responsibility for his actions and accept and and you know through the power of spider-man maybe start um writing some of the wrongs that he's done throughout his life um and you know the cardiac story gave him that opportunity you know he helps the little girl with 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 the brain surgery even though um you know even though he has essentially caused the injuries with the whole ends of the earth thing uh, a couple of years you know, last summer and you know what was also kind of extra satisfying about it is you know for the first time we we really got to see Astral Peter be wrong. Um, I mean, you talked about him being annoying, and I, I agree. In certain issues, it's been a little overkill for me how how he's been deployed. Um, but to have him kind of screaming in Doc's ear and trying to take control of the hand so he wouldn't do the surgery, and then have Otto push past that and and you know kind of that that Spider-Man spirit that we 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 love of the character that that perseverance that never say quit thing that that has made the character so famous uh the fact that he does that to essentially quiet the you know the spiritual essence of Peter and then he saves the day it, it, to me it was a really powerful redemptive moment for Otto and and you know that's what I want. You know if that's where we're gonna if we're gonna keep exploring this character, that's what I want to see. I mean, he still is going to go around about things his own way and probably be a huge prick about it. But there does need if you if you're gonna do a superhero comic, there still needs to be heroic qualities to the main character, even if it's shades of gray. There still needs to be heroism, and I think we finally got to see that here. Yeah, and it's weird because I I think you know. While he might be pushing Peter back, he is becoming very much like Spider-Man. He's starting to make jokes now while fighting, um, which I was really thought was interesting. You know, this guy's gone from being really serious and like barking orders at people to kind of making some some uh, like one-liners. And I think we're going to see this slow transition as he really accepts the Spider-Man role. Um, and, and talking about Ghost Peter 
or Astral Peter, as you put it. Um, I like that in this issue he kind of became a bit more proactive and there was a bit more of a battle between the two of them. I think when Astral Peter is allowed to be proactive, he's like the most fun um, and he feels like essential to being a part of the story. Um, and and that, that's, that's great for me, that, that kind of uh, battle and, and that they're talking to each other now is, is, is kind of fun. And what's interesting about it is, you know, it still ties into the core of the character because, you know, you talk about the Parker luck, which is obviously a major part of, you know, the Spider-Man mythology. And, you know, the, the it so happens the issue where, where Peter is his most assertive is the issue where he's found out. Yeah. And now it's so it's it's you know he he overstepped. I mean, just just as he's done in other situations. I mean, you know, it seems like Peter's, you know, all of Peter's problems always go back to him. You know, it's it's either him being too passive or him pushing too hard because of his huge passive mistake at the very beginning. Um, and so even even in telling this new kind of story, they're still staying true to that, which I think is admirable. Yeah, what do you make of um, his sketching an octopus on the notepad? Do you think that's going to come to anything? I didn't even think of that. What do you What do you think of that? I, that didn't even that, that I totally missed that one. Yeah, it was so casually dismissed by um, Black Widow. You know, I'm I'm not so sure. Like, why would she hold on to that? You know, like, oh, I'm just going to hold on to this sketch that Spider Man made for me. Like, he's like some great artist, right? Um, but you know, I I imagine it will it will do something, but. Uh, you know, they'll look it'll, at it and be like, oh, he's a really <laughs> terrible spider artist. <laughs> it'll probably tie into, well, it could be two things. I mean, you know, we, we've, you know, they've talked a lot with, um, how Spider-Man and, and Doc Ock are, are kind of cut from the same cloth. I mean, even in terms of the, the, the animals that they, they represent, you know, the eight, eight appendages, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe, you know, they're trying to show oh look it's a it's an octopus or is it a spider it's kind of you know hard to tell the difference um yeah that's kind of a cool thematic uh uh, choice there yeah i mean either that or maybe they're gonna pay it off with like the whole carly cooper's you know private dick thing that they're doing right now (laughs) so speaking of uh of private detective carly who do you think that she's talking to in this issue, um, because I thought I had a very clear interpretation on it, but I'm not so sure. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I, I I probably wouldn't have made heads or tails of it, but I, I when the preview pages came out, they, they, this was that was one of the preview pages they showed, and I, I forgot what what comment section, what site I was on, but someone was like, maybe this is. Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, and uh, you know, Slot has been saying every which way for, for for months now that Miguel O'Hara is going to be in Superior Spider-Man, and it's going to be soon. So I was wondering, you know, are we going to get some kind of backstory that you know he came from the future and she put him away or something like that? And it now seems he's like such a stretch, you know. But how else are they going to get Miguel O'Hara in this story? And, I have and, no idea. And that just seems to be definitive that he will be in this story somehow. Well, and, I'll, and, I'll tell you something interesting. Um, you know, uh, the last issue, issue seven, solicit, uh, this is quote-unquote what it says on the solicit for issue seven. It says, and a new development for a Spider-Man who hasn't been seen for some time, and by time we mean centuries. And, of course, nothing happened with that in issue seven. Um, so, right. so I asked Slot about this on Twitter. Like, you know, I said I asked Slot about the story that never appeared, and he retweeted my question, and and he said back to it, um, 
Things were changed between the time the solicit was written and the issue was finalized. Those developments will happen later. So is this that? Uh, I'm not entirely sure because I don't know how you would – it sounds like he's referring to Miguel O'Hara by, by saying a d- new development for a Spider-Man. I mean what other – you know, a Spider-Man right. sounds like a d- different kind of Spider-Man. But how do you fit Miguel O'Hara into issue seven like comfortably? It's already pretty stuffed. So maybe – you're right. It is Miguel O'Hara. I have no idea what that means. Um, I thought it was Captain Watanabe. Um because the character refers to, um, you know, Carly Cooper being the reason why this person had to take like a leave of absence, which is what happened with Captain Watanabe. Um, and I think in the first panel, it looks like it could possibly be like an Asian woman from behind. But then the second panel looks like a African-American male. Um, so I, I'm not sure at all who it is. Yeah, I, like I said, the only reason why I'm even leaping to Miguel O'Hara is, is you know, a someone else put the idea in my head, and b, it, it, I if if he's going to show up, I don't know how else they're going to figure. Okay, I would say 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 for sake of argument, it is Miguel O'Hara. What what do you think that? What do you think of that? I mean, are are you happy that he is being introduced into this universe? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, it, it all depends on execution, you know, like anything. Uh, uh, anything can be a good idea if it's done well. Um, I don't know that this needs another Spider-Man getting involved. Uh, you know, I I mean, if it's a wink and a nod to, like, Miguel O'Hara and saying, like, yes, the 2099 universe um, will happen. It is in continuity. That's neat. But, um I don't know. It just seems like such an odd thing to get mixed up in what is already a insanely complicated um, and like kind of already convoluted idea. Like, why bring in time travel, which I'm guessing they're going to do? I don't know. It just seems odd. I mean, to to, to add another wrinkle to it, if that's what it's going to be. I and there's proven wrong. Yeah, and, and there seems to be a passionate component of the fan base embracing this idea and. I just, you know, I mean, Spider-Man 2099 came out right in my purchasing wheelhouse in high school, and I just don't remember being that blown away by the series. I kind of saw it as more 90s fluff. But then again, there are a lot of people now who love Ben Riley, and yeah, you know, but, uh, he obviously has a passionate fan base. They have an ongoing Scarlet Spider title. Um, people like that Clone Saga stuff now. Right. Well, at least, well, at least with the Scarlet Spider, it's Kane, and not. I mean, there's like a specific "we want Ben Riley back" yeah. um, movement, which um, kind of you know surprises me just because of how reviled the Clone Saga was when it, when when it was occurring. I mean, the Clone Saga drove me away from Spider-Man for for a couple of years because I just couldn't deal with the the lack of coherentness. And you know, Spider-Man 29 wasn't wasn't actively bad, but. I just don't remember it being. I, I just don't remember it. That's the thing. It's, it wasn't memorable. It, it, it was. I bought the first few issues and was like, "Eh, this doesn't interest me." It was. It was. It was just you know, cut and dry. It's not Peter, you know. But yeah, it, and I've read it here and there, but it, yeah, it never really like held my attention. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, people people seem to be very. I mean, apparently, at one of the cons where Slot was talking about Miguel O'Hara, people were cheering. I, I mean, you know, if if yeah. Maybe maybe the fan base will be happy. <laughs> and maybe this is their way of relaunching that series, which will make some people happy. Yeah, exactly. Like, but we need more spider-related titles. 
we're, we're talking all these like theories about the future now. Before we get into any speculation, I kind of want to ask you, like, if you had to give seven and eight a grade, you know, like, you know, a um, a letter grade, what, you know, in terms of Spider-Man comics, what would you give these issues off the top of your head? I would probably give seven a B plus and eight an A minus. I think I'm 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 right along there with you. Um, I think I would give, except I think I liked seven better than I like eight. Um, so I would switch the two. I'd give um, seven an A minus and eight a B plus. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I said, I I got stuck on the on the redemption for Otto, and and that's that's why I feel more sentimental about eight. But probably seven might be the better story the way it's written, but. You know, I, I'm a I'm a sucker for Otto helping children. What can I say? And he gets a teddy bear for it too. I mean, you know, we're a yeah. stuffed animal. <laughs> yeah, and I, I liked Seven's art a lot. Like, like, I thought this was one of Humberto Ramos's best issues he's ever drawn. Um, watching the double staff of uh, Cardiac blast around, I thought was a ton of fun. And ooh, I didn't mention this. I loved um, uh, Spider Ock. Um, Bossing around the police officers as if they were his henchmen, mm. um, and I thought that was particularly a, a fun little nod. But let's move into speculation. We know issue nine is going to be a huge issue that's going to make us angrier than Spider-Man 700, which neither of us were particularly angry about. So maybe this will be it. Maybe this will finally get us to be angry. Do you think that's going to be the po- a possible chance? Uh, it's it's possible. Um, I did see some of the preview art uh, online, and it. It looks fantastic. I actually got to say, and I think this is a segment issue. Um, yeah. it, it, you know, there's this one panel where you see Doc Ock and as Doc Ock being tackled by all of these supporting characters from past and present. Um, you know, there's Gwen Stacy and Aunt May, and and it's. It, I thought it was a really great visual, and um, so maybe I won't be angry. I don't know. Um, it, it, I mean, it's clearly going to be a showdown. I, I think. You know, I think if anything, it's probably just going to muddy the waters more about the existence of of Astral Peter and how he's going to get his body back. And and you know, it, I guess if you're if you take what's introduced in this comic with you know as as gospel, you'll you'll probably be infuriated because if I'm just you know if I'm going to put money down in Vegas, I'm going to say that somehow Astral Pete is eliminated, um, but it's still going to be temporary. I, uh, this is this is me telling fans out there it will be temporary. <laughs> and I think, however it plays out, it'll be temporary. I think this whole thing is temporary, and I'm enjoying that uh, nature of it. Um, but I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, Peter Parker left over in some form. It might not be Astral Peter, but I think uh, this goes along with a theory that's kind of out there that Peter lives in a particular hemisphere of um, Ox brain. Um, in that he can only control um, the right arm of of uh, of the body, he has trouble with the left, and he can't access the uh, language skills. And if you look in the preview art, all of the words on all the buildings inside of um, the mind of Spider-Man are scrambled up. He he very clearly doesn't have uh, access to language, um, and I'm wondering if. He tries to destroy Peter. Will he wipe out um, that portion of his mind that keeps him um, as Spider-Man? That, like, because he says very clearly in issue eight 
that uh, Peter's ghost is a collection of memories that have kind of taken on a life of their own or something like that. Mm. Um, and I wonder if he gets rid of Peter, he will like destroy his ability to control um, certain aspects of his memory, maybe possibly erasing the science aspect of his mind or even control over a certain part of his body. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe they come to a truce at the end and realize they need each other um, to uh, to move forward. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. That's kind of a theory that I have, um, but I am looking forward to what looks like some kind of like matrix battle in the mind. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I actually really like your theory a lot because I think it's 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 a it keeps the door open for you know the inevitable resurrection of the status quo, but um, but yeah, there's some kind of understanding where Peter openly acknowledges, you know, Otto, you have to keep the body for now. I could see Marvel interpreting that as being. You know, getting people up in a lather, you know, and <laughs> so and how often have these solicits been true? We just talked about like they want to sell comics and how do they do it? They tell you it's going to piss you off. Right. I will say, though, that at least we're getting a Marcos Martin um, cover out of this. Yes, he's, I love his artwork. I would say I, I mean, I, I love his variants, but I mean, even when even the few, you know, core covers that he's done, especially in ASM, I've always loved those are some of my favorite covers in the last few years. Um but, yeah, I, I mean, it's but it's very very clear that this story, you know, the story will go on. The story must continue. Um, so I, I just, you know, I think anybody getting their hopes up that that this is all going to get wrapped up in a tidy little bow in in a, in a week at this rate uh, uh, is is silly. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I think Dan Slott understands the character. He obviously understands the character. He's becoming one of the longest running Spider-Man authors ever. Um, but. Um, one thing that I think he knows is the importance of Uncle Ben to the series and that lesson. Um, because to me, if Ock becomes a good guy through uh, the process of destroying Peter and then goes on to become good, it undoes the whole point of this. Um, what I think is the whole point of the series is that it shows how much Uncle Ben's influence on Peter shaped him from bec- becoming a, a supervillain. Um, he was always talking about the comparison of in ASM 15 – or not ASM 15, Amazing Fantasy 15 um, that you know Peter Parker says that line like I'll, you know, I'll show them. Um, he could be a villain and if Ock destroys Peter um, and then becomes a good guy, uh, it, it really says like you know what? Like it's not really Uncle Ben's influence that you know really changed him. Like anybody can change. Um, and I think it does the character a disservice by having Ock discover it on his own um, without the assistance of Peter and his memories. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. No, I, 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 I disagree. I just I, I agree with everything you say there. Okay. <laughs> so, so dittos. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one thing that I would love to see, and this will never happen. And if it does happen, I've been thinking this for months and tweeted Slot about it several times. Um, He's been teasing us about who the Green Goblin is under the mask, and like I have no idea who else it would be other than Norman Osborn. There is some theories that it's Normie because we haven't seen how tall um, the Green Goblin is, and um, they share the same name uh, that was on the hospital bed that was guardless, um, and uh, it's Normie finally stepping up or whatever, um, which would be interesting, I guess. 
But how great would it be if Peter's consciousness somehow went into Norman's body and he had to battle Spider-Man to get his body back as Norman Osborn? How crazy would that be? <laughs> I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's, that's where it might lose. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I would kind of like to see Peter as Norman being Goblin fighting Spider-Man. That would be like the weirdest change around ever. Like that would be the, just – Nuts. Anyway, what I, my real guess is that things will continue on as they are with the book displaying that Ock is trying to do good through questionable means. And I'm really excited that, for this uh, preview, and this will move us on to our talk about the um, uh, the Spider News, um, is the Shadowland um, takeover being kind of teased. Um, and on the cover, it shows a new costume for Spider-Man, but behind him are all these like thugs with Spider-Man eyeglasses. And um, I'm really interested to see if, you know, Doc Ock is going to become the master planner again and have henchmen, but like Spider-Man henchmen. Uh, I think that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. I mean, the thing was, I, I wasn't really that into the Shadowland arc when it what was at 2010 when that first yeah. they first started that. And, you know, I. He, you know, I love Kingpin. Kingpin's one of my all-time favorites. Um, but, you know, it seems like these days where there's Kingpin, there's, you know, the Phil Urich um, Hobgoblin who just does – I don't know. I, I just feel like they took a great character and kind of, you know, took a leak all over it without even characterizing Hobgoblin over the last couple of years. So, I mean, if there's a lot of that, I, I – it's going to be wait and see for me. I, I, it, I'm obviously going to keep reading. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give up the title over Shadowland. That would be the stupidest thing. Um, but all, all this time, and Shadowland was what did it. You know, it, I, I will sit through Brand New Day and the Clone Saga and 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 all these other events, but Shadowland is where I draw the line because Hobgoblin, no way. No, it could be, like you said, if they talk about, you know, Otto the Thug, it could be fun, but I'm in total wait and see mode with that. I, I, I that of all the spider news that they pumped out over the last couple of weeks for, for July, that was probably the thing that, that not, not interests me the least, but just, just, you know, I was the most non-reactive to, um, you know, everything else I think I got elicited a stronger reaction to me. Um, you know, the, the one chunk of news that came out of that was this deadly foes of Spider-Man series. Superior foes of Spider-Man. Oh, I'm superior foes of Spider-Man. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of thinking of older tie-in issues and one-shots. So Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which is, it's got what, all these D-list villains like Boomerang and Shocker and, and you know, it's one of those things you you look at the description and you're just like, why in God's name are they doing this? And then, but then, you know what, uh, why in God's name did they do a Matt Fraction Hawkeye series, which is probably going to win like every single Eisner award, you know, when they announced that. So I, I, I bet you this ends up being like the great sleeper hit of, of the Spider-Man tie-in universe, but, but maybe I'm just totally like reaching on that. Yeah. I find it odd that it's like not a mini, like whenever they, when they announced it, they said like, this is an ongoing. Um, and I'm guessing that there's some strong ideas, I mean, ideas here that they would go, we need to make this an ongoing and not just like a, a quick way to make money off people who buy every Spider-Man comic like us. Um, 
Because there are so many other more marketable characters they could have gone with if they were trying to purely cash in on Superior, which they, you know, are, right? You know, the the name Superior is plastered on, like, everything now. Um, We've got Superior Carnage coming up. Oh, God. And it's not Cletus, right? That's that's the big big twist because Cletus had a lobotomy, I believe, in in Minimum Carnage. Oh, my favorite series, not... Uh Oh, I, I like to I like the minimum carnage, but I know you're you're not as sold on the Scarlet Spider stuff as I am. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I the, the, the I don't know why we need another carnage series. I mean, this this is this is you know when I was talking before about having non reactions to to Shadowland. I mean, this is an instance of I had a reaction to Carnage. It was like, oh come on. Um, but again, people love Carnage, and I'm sure for a mini it'll sell. It'll sell, you know, it'll sell well. It'll do better than the Alpha Mini. <laughs> yeah, right, which I've actually been enjoying, although I know you're not a big fan. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I've lost interest in Carnage completely, especially, uh, you know, uh, Minimum Carnage just did me in. I like the previous two books okay, although I find it so frustrating that, like, nobody just outright kills him. They're finding a way to slowly reduce his, like, capabilities, to, you know, to the point of lobotomizing him, like... But when Venom is standing there about to kill him, and this this serial killer who's gone and killed so many people, like, I have a hard time buying that he just isn't put down. And I don't care how many times Spider-Man defends the, that honor, like, someone would get around to it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and I guess that's part of the reason why I actually liked Minimum Carnage, because... You know, you have Kane there as, you know, the Spider-Man without responsibility. And, he, I mean, he's the one who actually kind of, you know, pulls the trigger, so to speak, on the lobotomy. So it was it was good to kind of see, you know, a Spider-Man character finally be more violent towards Carnage and just not let it continue on. And, oh, let's 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 lock him up in the raft again, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, right. um, but yeah, and and. Craig, this isn't this isn't Zeb Wells on this one either, right? No, or no, yeah, you know, yeah. So I, I just I, I don't know what the draw is going to be, but it'll it'll probably do well. Um, and then of course the other big change is they're they're dropping Avenging and doing a more appropriate superior team up. Which I mean, let's face it, Avenging is a team up. It's Marvel team up for 2012, 13, yeah. you know, and, and, and I'm fine with that. I, I, I always liked Marvel team up. I thought it was cool. I mean, it's, it's, I've liked avenging. I mean, I, I feel that Yost has, Chris Yost has brought, um, a nice, nice voice to it since he took over a few issues ago, but, um, you know, avenging the team up stories are good in terms of just getting, you know, working in characters who don't often appear in a Spider-Man book. Um, you know, we have Sleepwalker in this most current issue, but you know, we we, we got to see the F the the Future Foundation kids um, a couple issues ago, and, and just a straight Spider-Man Thor team up. I mean, I, I I I like I like those kinds of stories. I mean, they're good one and done stories for the most part. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Avenging has been a great book, and a, uh, and even better once it transitioned into the Superior Spider-Man era with more consistent plot lines and really exploring. You know his role in the Marvel universe, which is great. Cause when I read amazing, I love it when it's just Spider-Man in his own universe. Those are my favorite stories, but seeing him interact with everybody else, I can get in a different title. And, and I think that's kind of the way it should be done. They should look at that as, um, you know, the format moving forward. I, I really, I really think that's smart. Um, 
you know, it's good just to also see Spider-Man not only interact with other heroes, but just other villains. And, and, and like you said, just really exploring what his role in within the Marvel Universe. I mean, beyond just these big, huge tie-ins that we get every summer now, it seems, whether it's, you know, AVX or Age of Ultron or whatever. Um, it, it's, you know, obviously with these team-up stories, it's still a Spider-Man story, but, you know, it's Spider-Man story through the lens of a couple of other characters. And, and that's, that's more than enough for me. What I think is interesting about this change in the name to, like, team-up is that it's using the name Superior, uh, right? It's, it's Superior Spider-Man team-ups, mm. number one. So that, right. that means if they're doing a number one, that means to imply that Superior might be, you know, this is in July – um, this is implying that Superior might be around way longer than, than I'm anticipating. Why change the name if you're only going to do you know, one per month for like six months and have only six issues of a book? Um, why not just continue onward? Uh, so maybe Superior is around for even longer than even we anticipate. Um, That's true. Yeah. Although, I mean, I've seen, them, I've seen them cancel issues after only eight or nine issues. Yeah, so. it's true. It's true. I just think it's interesting um, to look at it that way. I mean, I mean, since you're talking about it, I mean, what what is what is your ultimate like end date on the Superior Universe? Like, what, how, you know, this started January, well, December, late December 2012. When does this end? Is it? I, I'm thinking a solid year. That was my idea. I thought it would. I think it would last about a year. I expected like 24, 25 issues of this. Yeah. Um, I really don't know how much more of the story there is to get beyond that point because either Doc Ock redeems himself, battles Peter and loses. I mean it's going to get to a point eventually you know, where – because the story is how does Ock respond to these things differently, right? And right. like you know, how many stories are there? Um, I, do, I mean I'm not a writer. I mean I, I mean I write some things but like I'm not a comic book writer. Um, so I don't know. You know, a good writer could make it last forever. I don't think that's what people want, um, and I, you know, I, I don't really know, like how many different aspects of the character there are. Um, now that it's like pushed away, things we have Carly Cooper moving in. It seems on finding out the identity, like, you know, either you're building up to have it forever, or you're building to some kind of conclusion at some point. I, I don't really know how much there is to do with it, but I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I just I just don't think you can have a, a Marvel universe without Peter Parker or Spider Man at some point. I, I just don't. I mean, you know, and and I mean, it'll just create too much confusion for all the other media out there. I, you know, like I mean, just the fact that they have movies that are Peter Parker, just the fact that um, you know you have video games, you have others. It's it's just not gonna. Yeah, you know, this this will have an end date. I, this is not, you know, this is not a forever change unless unless the forever change is that you know when Peter regains his body back, you know, there's still the essence of Doc Ock in his brain, so he f- still thinks of himself as superior. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe if it's the whole brain hemispheres thing, and they end up like working with each other, and Doc Ock is like the science side of the brain or something, and every time he needs to use science. You know, he has to tap into his dark Doc Ock side or something like that. Like maybe that's an interesting way to like change the character up and allow him to be more dynamically, like you know, gray, like a, you know, like in the gray zone of his good and evil. Um, maybe that's where it goes, and that's how they get him to like leave Horizon. Is he decides not to use his science mind anymore? Um, I don't know because I'm curious if Horizon is here to, forever. Um, 
how long does he get to be Crazy Doc Ock and keep that job? I don't know. We'll find out. I, I'm excited to see where it goes. I think there's enough to carry us through like 25 issues. I, I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. Um, so while we anticipate the future, why don't we also reflect on the past? Yeah, so now we'll move into the part of the podcast where we talk about a classic issue, um, and uh, this time we're talking about um, Amazing Spider-Man number nine, starring Electro or the debut of Electro. Because uh, what did we see, uh, Mark, in the news this week? Well, we saw uh, some new photos of Jamie Fox as as Electro, or, or I guess it's is it Ray Charles as Electro? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that would but, be a weird twist. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you just you just don't know anymore. Um, and obviously, they're they're going with a. It looks like more of a the Ultimate Universe does design for the character. Um, I thought it looked pretty cool. I, I, I actually, you know, I, I know some people were joking that it's you know Doctor Manhattan spawning, uh, you know, a, a Sith Lord or something. But I, I actually thought he looked pretty cool. Yeah, uh-huh. being a big fan of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man uh, and that interpretation of Electro, I thought this was, like, straight out of that and what I was excited to see. Um, you know, that character, I don't think a big star-faced guy would really work in um, in this, this day and age, So, especially with Mark Webb's interpretation. So I'm excited to see... Um, this character and I think those those images got me more excited for the movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, although, I mean, I will say regarding the 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 star design, you know, the original, um, you know, something that I always liked about Electro when he was first introduced was the fact that I, I thought it was kind of the epitome of the whole, you know, KISS um, strategy in 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 story development and just keeping it really simple. You know, you have Max Dillon, the lineman, gets, you know, he's working, gets electrocuted, develops powers and decides, you know, I'm going to rob banks and be a be a petty thug and do these things. And, you know, rather than trying to get too complicated with the story, which I mean, is good, too. It's always good to have layers, but um, it, it, it kind of made Electro a really interesting secondary villain i mean he's not the top tier but i mean i would certainly put him in the second tier of of spidey villains well i like his origin story i mean it's really simple but it's kind of almost like a truncated version of um peter's story in a way you know he he's you know max dylan is out uh, at the power lines and he's asked to go up and fix something in order to save the life of someone um and he says he won't do it unless he were was to be paid and so they offer to pay him, and he goes up and then gets electrocuted. In a way, he refuses the call to action um, as well, um, but is rewarded for it and, and then goes out and you know continues on with his greedy desires in a way that he never learned a lesson from his greed. He was just you know rewarded for it. And I, f- I find that kind of interesting. You know, It's not a perfect mirror of Peter Parker, but there's an element of that there, I think. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I mean, and that that seems to be the case with a lot of 
Spidey's early villains. Um, but uh, but Electro was definitely one that's kind of like stood the test. And then you know we had the the, the Mark Wade reinvention um, a couple of years ago where they kind of made him into this you know Occupy Wall Street kind of guy. Which I mean I thought it was an interesting take on that character. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know politics aside, um, but again I I, I did I did groove on the simplicity of them. And, and this this issue itself actually means a lot to me. This was the first um, single digit issue i got in my collection so you know the first yeah the first of the of the first nine i guess you know because 10 is obviously double digits Uh, but um um you know and and i just remember when i got it you know i i was kind of thinking back to when i was a lot younger buying these comic you know buying these comic books in the 200s and 300s and whatnot and saying to myself, you know, what if I ever broke the top ten, what would be the first issue? And I, in my mind, I always thought based on the value end of it, it would probably be seven or eight because those are really the only issues in the first ten that don't mark a, an important first appearance or first confrontation. You know, seven is the second vulture, and eight is the uh, the human the human brain, human the robot, the, yeah, the killer robot, living ro- brain, living brain. Thank you. Um, but yeah, with with you know, the fact that I was able to score the first Electro, um, you know, he's a Sinister Six. I, I mean, you know, again, he's not a top tier villain, but he's, he's, you know, upper echelon of the second tier, in my opinion. And um, it was just, it, I, I was just really impressed. With my, it, I, I, it was like one of those things where I was like on eBay at like four in the morning and it just got posted. And, I was, it, you know, the guy literally just put it up and it had a buy it now price, which I thought was fair. And I even remember the guy you know, after I bought it, it was like, you know, if you're really interested in Spider-Man, I have other issues. And I ended up getting, you know, kind of off the grid getting like a, the first Craven from him um, and a couple issues like in the 20s and stuff like that. And he was just like liquidating his stock because I think he wanted to put an, an addition on his house or something. So, again, I, I, I appreciate you selling me a good copy of of uh, number nine <laughs> at a fair price. That it actually was, uh, I think. I said good, but you know, if we're talking grading, I think it was like a very good plus or very good fine or something like that. But yeah, I don't own the issue. It's one of the eleven holes in my collection. Um, my first issue in the one through nine was number two. I went straight for it. Oh, nice. Um, but uh, yeah, no. But funny enough for me, this is, outside of Amazing Fantasy fifteen, this is the first um, Stanley uh, Steve Dicko uh, issue of Spider Man that I ever read. Um, so really my first uh, Amazing Spider-Man by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko that I ever read. Um, well, that's, that's fantastic. What did you, was it in a, in like a collected edition or something? Or, or yeah, did... I think it was in like a Best of Spider-Man or something like that or a reprint in the back of something. I just remember reading the story and um, you know what? It's kind of the perfect story to, um, to start off with. It has like all the Spider-Man staples that like made those issues great. Um, He's got bad luck with women because of Spider-Man. So with Betty, she gets upset that he like goes into the action um, at the end. He's like dealing with JJJ's misunderstandings of him. Aunt May has health issues as she was likely to have. I mean it's got all those like key things that make up a classic Spider-Man title. Um, and also he has to use science to outwit his, uh, you know, his enemy after losing to him the first time. Um, right. It's like – like formula, um, you know, and this is the way, like, you're going to read a Spider-Man issue. Like, this is what you expect when you go to a Spider-Man book. 
I, I also love, I mean, and this is just a total 60s thing. I mean, you, I don't feel like they do this as much anymore with covers where um, they, it's that, that idea of showing the, the character in total peril. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know. Like, I guess you get it to some degree still here and there, but it's it's more stylized now where, you know, like obviously in the 60s, you know, they're trying to sell the story itself. It's not. It's not an artistic interpretation of it, and it's. It's you know very black and white. It's you know. It's got it's, the diptych, the two images on the cover. Yeah, I love. I love those things. There's some. They're really great. They actually show you what is inside the book for one. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 actually good salesmanship. I mean, you know, in in the era before internet solicitations and Twitter and preview pages, you know, like, you know, you go to the spinner rack in 1964. I'm thinking that came out 63, 64 and see that on the rack. You're like, holy, sh- holy crap. How the hell did, <laughs> how is he going to escape this guy? <laughs> so, um, I, it's, it's, to me, it's a great, great classic issue. I mean, you know, the first 38 issues are all classics, but, um, this one definitely stands out to me and, you know, I, I, seeing the electro stuff in the news, um, you know, it's, I'm happy to think fondly of this issue once again, give me reason to, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think this one is – I think this issue for me was the first time and, – and, and looking back at it now, it, it feels like the first time that Spider-Man's powers were used to their full extent. He you know, goes through this prison and is clinging to the walls and taking out all the goons in interesting ways. Um, you know, We get him using rubber gloves to take out Electro using his mind. I love the kind of like use of Spider-Man and his abilities in this. But I also thought it was interesting rereading this for this uh, podcast um, – that Electro, his powers are very different than I remember them being. He wears like a harness in order to charge up his powers. He needs to electrocute himself. He's not spontaneously generating electricity. Um, he's just kind of conducting it. Um, and he uses it for ways I don't ever remember seeing him since using it, like using it to like charge a door so that no one can come through or to lockpick um, a safe, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, that the character has changed so much, his power set has changed uh, so much over the years, and he's had some great moments over the years, like breaking everybody out of the raft in um, New Avengers number one. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I, I hate to keep repeating myself, but you know, there's, there's, you know, he's definitely a significant contribution to the Spider-Man universe. I mean, you know, I, I feel like whereas some of the other characters that were introduced early. Um, I, their impact has been lessened to some degree. You know, Electro, Electro is still significant. And, and we even saw in Avenging 18, I mean, he, he, he gave Thor a run for his money in that issue. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know, it, it, he's, he's a fun villain. I'm glad he's still around. Um, you know, the, the evolution hasn't bothered me all that much. I mean, you know, things change. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. So. In some ways he's kind of become what you've always expected him to be, you know, like living electricity. And that's kind of exciting. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, and, and kind of keeping with the keep it simple situation that they, they haven't really tarnished him by like having him flip flop between good and evil. I mean, Electro has been consistently a villain unless there's some old arc that I can't think of, but it's not like, you know, like Sam has jumped back and forth. Venom has jumped back and forth. Doom has jumped back and forth. Liz, I mean, well, Lizard is Jeff Lynn Hyde anyway, but, you know, like all, the, all these other characters have always kind of tap danced. I mean, you know, even Doc Ock is helping um, Spider-Man out in the 90s with um, some of the clone stuff. Um, so for, for me, like, you know, it's just he's a bad guy. He stayed a bad guy. You know, no, no, 
no complications. <laughs> Good old-fashioned baddie. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this conversation we've been having. Um, I know I did. Um, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been bored on this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we are not boring. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, if you guys want to find all of our podcasts, you know, maybe you're listening back through uh, at some point in the future, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk. And if you do, please leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting that out there. What do you think about that, Mark? Well, you know, I, I don't know if we have to put a, a rating on our program, but yes, we'll read it on the air, no matter what you say. So, uh, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, let really let us know, and and rate by rating us is the only way that people will discover us. So, um, you know, please make sure you do that. It would be a big help. We'd be very appreciative of it. If you have any opinions on these comics that we've discussed today or any questions that you'd like us to answer, um, in the future we might have a Q&A section. So please email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. So once again, I'm Dan Gavazdan, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Dan Gavazdan, or you can read uh, my blog, grindmyreels.com, where I discuss – Movies and things like that because I am uh, uh, a professional film critic um, as well as Spider-Man lover. And And, uh, Mark? Yeah, I'm Mark Chinacchio. You can can grab me on Twitter. I'm at ChasingASMblog. Um, And you should read my blog. It's ChasingAmazingBlog.com. We actually just uh, recently redesigned the the site. Um, I had a good friend of mine who's a professional web designer do it for me, and it looks – I think it looks fantastic. I love it. I think it looks great. Uh, well, I, I, I pay you to say that, Dan. Um, but <laughs> well, I miss a little bit of your fun wallpaper you used to have. But uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> every, everything gets better with time. It's true. You know, the, the the wallpaper took too long to to load. Unfortunately, When my friend was looking on the back end, that was the first thing she, she said. That that's got to go. I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no. So chasing uh, www.chasingamazingblog.com. We we update Mondays and Thursdays, and I'm also uh, contributing columns over at the comics should be good at CBR. I do the gimmick or good column there. Um, and, and those kind of, they run about once a week, but the day is sporadic, but, but, you know, and I talk about Spider-Man there and many other things, but either way, if you, if you have Spider-Man questions or just, you know, nineties comics questions or anything like that, you know, feel free to tweet at me or or leave me a comment on the blog. Yeah. Can never get enough Spider-Man, right? Definitely not. (laughs) Well, we hope you guys enjoyed the show and that you, uh, keep an eye out for us next month as we discuss, uh, issues nine and 10. So uh, signing off, right? You got it, Dan. Thanks again. I really enjoyed this. (laughs) 